Norman is 92 and completely unflappable, even in the face of COVID-19. I think it's a death sentence for me, that's a minor detail. Something has to be a death sentence for me. Norman shares his home with George, a Syrian refugee in his 20s. He's the anxious one. The thing that makes me anxious more or more worried as well, because if I get the disease and not knowing about it, I might also carry it home to Norman as well, which, you know, it, it might be fatal. All across the country, because of coronavirus, we're all having to reevaluate how we interact with the elderly. It's still absolutely possible for all of us to uh, be good friends to the older people in our lives, but we're going to have to find different ways of doing it. You're listening to Stories of Our Times, from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, Norman and George, two unlikely friends navigating the challenges of COVID-19. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. My name is George, I'm from Syria, and I'm living here with Norman. Hello, I'm Norman Franklin, age 92, uh, and enjoying life. Well, I wanted to ask, firstly, um, how, did, how did you meet George? I felt, having lived alone as a widow for about 10 years, I ought to have somebody living here, not wasting my spare bed, and so on. So I discovered this agency, and uh, they produced George. And and tell me, so when did you first meet George? June, probably, this year. I came to visit, and I really liked him. (laughs) I remember I saw the kitchen first when I came into the home. He has lots of nice plates on the wall, and I really like plates. I used to have some in my home, so that was the first thing I noticed. I felt that we connected directly. What was your first impression of him? Um, I have some issues with understanding English people. Sometimes it feels like, I don't know, they have the accent, but I didn't have this problem with him. So that was actually very comfortable to me. He speaks clearly. He has lots of information. I call Norman Google because he knows everything. (laughs) (laughs) Like whatever you ask, he knows everything. Like even... I, I was shocked. I was talking about a small religion, a very minority religion, the Rus, in Syria, and he knows about them. He, he read about them. He knows lots of stuff. 
I have to tell you <laughs> to, to call somebody a know-all is very rude in English. A what? A know-all. What know-all? Somebody who knows everything. Oh, really? Everything. Then I take that back. Norman Thank doesn't you. know everything. Good. <laughs> and, um, and tell me what it's been like living together. Well, when I came to this country first, I, I, I left my family at home. I really want someone to, to like treat me as, as part of the family. So when I'm late, Norman actually calls me and check where, where I am. And if I am late, he waits for me. He doesn't eat dinner until I come, even though I don't oh. expect him to do this. But it's, he really does mm-hmm. it, which is really, really nice. So it, it feels amazing to have someone who cares about you and you care about them at the same time. And he, he has been very supportive, actually. Were you nervous when, when George was about to move in? I don't know if he was nervous, but I wasn't. I mean, I knew I, if there were awkward problems, I'd have to grin and bear it. But I didn't have to grin. Well, I grinned, but I didn't have to bear it. Norman and George applied for a home share programme that pairs up senior citizens who have a spare room with younger people looking for housing based on their mutual interests. I said I want to cook, and Norman mentioned that he would like to have someone who likes to cook, so they matched us together. George moved in eight months ago, and they've been living in relative harmony ever since. Do we ever argue occasionally? Uh, I mean, I had trouble with both my wives, who loved an argument. (laughs) And when I agreed with them, it made them unhappy. (laughs) And George is a bit similar. (laughs) (laughs) And what are your arguments usually about? Forcing me to go and walk outside. Oh, yes. Uh, George has a weight problem. And I was trying to drive him to take some exercise. And he was finding displacement activities all the time. Um, So in the end, I chased him out. And so he he ran up Primrose Hill and came back again, complaining about his knees aching. Well, he goes to the gym more than I do, actually. I didn't go this week. Yeah, he didn't go. But usually he goes every Wednesday to the gym. He's like, has, he cycles, he goes to the gym. So he has a, like a good exercise in his days. That's incredibly impressive for somebody of his age. Yes, exactly. Well, actually, he motivates me to work more and to be active in my days. And what's been, what's been the nicest thing about having George come and live with you? company, knowing there's someone there to call for assistance when I need it. Not that I need it much, I hope. Uh, Anyway. The food. What? The food. The good food. The good food is fine. Yes, indeed. (laughs) But um, if you ask Norman, he will always tell you that I cook a lot. And I always put lots of food in his plate. (laughs) Force him to eat a lot as I eat a lot as well. <laughs> it's Syrian f- comfort food, not English comfort food, so it's a bit different. <laughs> when I came here, I was telling him that I have some Syrian coffee and I wanted him to try it. So he said, I will have it after dinner. I was like, okay, we usually don't drink coffee in the evening because it's very strong. Yeah. So he, when he usually drinks coffee, he uses those big mugs. And that's normal for this country. But in my country, when we do coffee, we make it in very small cups, Turkish ones, like small shots. So I didn't want him to think that I'm cheap. So I made him a big cup as well. <laughs> a big cup of, of Turkish Syrian coffee. He drank it at nine. I couldn't sleep until 6 a.m. the day after. <laughs> And what was it like the first time you cooked for him? Were you nervous about what he'd think? Yes. I all, well, at the first week, I was all the week nervous because I, I know he is very polite 
and he always tries to to compliment whatever you do. So I was like, please don't be nice. Tell me if you like it or not. Well, so far he never said anything bad about my cooking, but I don't know. I don't think I am this perfect chef. I think he is very nice and very kind and doesn't want to harm my feelings. (laughs) In Syria, there's a great tradition of families living together with different generations, grandparents, parents, children. Have you found it odd coming here and finding that that doesn't happen very much? It is very sad, honestly, you know, because I don't know how to describe it, but like old people, they have lots of experience in life in general, and they are very generous in sharing those information, which will help you overcome lots of challenges in your life. I don't know why in this country people like to learn on their own, while they can literally ask about stuff or learn about stuff from old people. So it's it's a little bit shocking and sad as well because apparently here I'm having so much fun with Norman and I don't know why everyone else is just missing that. <laughs> Are you glad that George is there with you? It is wonderful. Okay. You know, I've been, I've been held up on my own for 10 years before George and decided, you know, I was just getting too old and I could pop my clogs and nobody would find me for a week. You know, my children communicate by email or telephone. Might get why we did, they didn't get an answer, but they often don't get answers. (laughs) So even for me, um, one time I remember when I was in the old accommodation, I woke up in the middle of the night not able to breathe, and I literally freaked out. I thought, like, if I die now, who will know? My family calls me, of course, when I have internet access, or if I don't have internet, they will take two, three, four days until they find someone in this country who will be able to come and check on me. So it was freaking me out being alone. Every day, I literally thank God for having the chance to come here and find actually a very supportive person like Norman and his family as well. And actually not only me, like my mom, every time when she calls me, she say, like we have in Arabic, thank God for having this person in your life. So today I was on the phone with her and she said, oh, tell him that I'm saying hi. And they communicated in in English. They spoke together. Norman and George were starting to form their own routines. George was cooking. Norman was haranguing George to exercise. Life was going rather well. And then they heard about the virus. Same time as everybody else, I think. <laughs> uh, you know, when the Chinese got it and locked down Wuhan. What was your first impression when you heard when you heard about this virus coming our way? I mean, were you worried? Well, I think it's a death sentence for me, but it's a minor detail. Something has to be a death sentence for me. Death sentence? It is worrying. So one naturally gets worried. And they say the elderly are more likely to not recover. So I'm even more worried. But there's not much one can do about it, except, you know, wash your hands and wear a mask which you can't get. I ordered a mask on Amazon from China, and it's not coming for till the 10th of April or something. Have you been sort of changing your behaviour while you've been in London? I mean, are you sort of not going out as much? Well, I'm a very enthusiastic bicyclist on an electric bike. In fact, I have two electric bikes and an electric tricycle. I had to take my bike into somewhere in Darkest Kent the other day. Well, that was all right. I cycled down to the station and then tube back home. Were you worried going out, knowing that people are catching the virus? 
No, they're not, not worried. Take precautions. Put a scarf over your nose. Gets full of snot, but that's too bad. But that's, you think that that's, that's probably enough? He doesn't think that's enough. He'd like me to have a mask. He'd like me to pop pills. I don't know what pills. Don't get any work. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to keep him at home, but he's just like, he does whatever he wants. Yeah, I stay at home more than he does. <laughs> well, I don't want to get stir crazy. And why should I be a prisoner? You know, what was that American slogan of Paul Revere's? Give me life or give me liberty. It wasn't that. Mm-hmm. What was it? Well, I feel that, you know, I need a life, I need liberty. Safety doesn't come into it. Does that cause arguments? Well, we don't argue at all. And I, I literally trust him because... As I mentioned, he reads a lot and he takes like rational decisions. He's not like of those people who reads something and then directly believe in it. So he reads different stuff, different resources. So when he says it's okay, don't worry, I, I trust him. So I felt like it's okay then, we will not get the disease just walking out. And yesterday I, he was pushing me to go and do an exercise. So I left, I ran a little bit and it literally helped me to also get new air and fresh air, you know, like uh, energy as well. Even so, George can't help feeling worried and responsible. For me, the, the, the thing that makes me anxious more or more worried as well, because if I get the disease and not knowing about it, I might also carry it home to Norman as well, which, you know, it, it might be fatal for, for him and also for myself, because I also have some problems in my nose and I do use... Um, a spray every day to be able to breathe well. George started working from home weeks ago. Since then, he's only made short trips out. I left only for like half an hour to get some stuff and came back directly home. When you do go out and you look around and you see people, do you find yourself wondering where they might have been, whether they might be carrying the virus? So on Tuesday, I went to get some stuff from outside, from Morrison's. So I was actually very afraid and I was like, okay, I don't know who might have the disease and they might be walking around. So when I left, I was very worried. So I was trying to keep two meters away from any person. So even if they stop, I stop two meters away from them. If they stop, I stop or I switch my way to go any other place. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. As for Norman's gung-ho attitude about facing up to a global pandemic, well, it's not that uncommon amongst the elderly. Older people are pretty tough and strong, actually. I mean, one of the things about uh, being being an older person is that inevitably you've seen lots of ups and downs through your life. And I think that's pretty good preparation for where we are now. Caroline Abrahams is the charity director at Age UK. 
Age UK is a charity, the charity for older people in the UK. We exist to help older people absolutely live the best lives they can lead. Um, and obviously, where we are at the moment with the coronavirus, that's a really big threat to all older people. And that's partly because by that age, lots of people have got other health problems that they're trying to deal with, heart disease, cancer, all sorts of things. And that obviously makes you weaker anyway. But the other reason is because it seems that um, from about the age of 70, our immune system reacts differently to this virus and makes, makes it more likely that we'll have a serious illness compared, for example, to children. Is it hard? Because we know, this, we know now that this could take months. And for many of them, you know, it's the twilight of their lives. I share a house with my mum and I've stopped kissing her goodnight. Um, and actually, we had a conversation about it just today. She had sort of noticed that I was staying a bit further away, of course, absolutely for her own good. Um, but I think this is playing out in, in, in um, living rooms and, and houses all around the country at the moment. The friendly human touch is going to be absent for a while, I think, for many older people. And I'm absolutely sure lots of them will miss it a great deal. There is some guidance online um, from the government for families that are worried about how to organise themselves within, within a single home if there are, are different generations present. And I think really we just all have to um, exercise some, some sensible precautions. So that hand-washing message that we're probably all getting a bit fed up of hearing, that is tremendously important. Keeping towels separate, not getting too close to the older person, a little bit of an invisible ring around them, not in an unfriendly way, but just to just to try and keep them safe, just in case. Is it harder for volunteers and, and younger people who want to help to be able to do so now? It's still absolutely possible for all of us to uh, be good friends to the older people in our lives, but we're going to have to find different ways of doing it. We can telephone, we can send emails, we can, we can write, all sorts of things like that. And of course, there may be practical things you can do to help as well, like collect medicines or, or pick up shopping for people. We, we shouldn't anymore be going into people's houses, um, but we can have a chat on the doorstep as long as we're standing uh, two metres away, or one or two metres away, a bit further down the path, for example. But meanwhile, you know, just, just thinking about who lives around you, maybe it's the old chap up the road that you that you see often on his own, um, don't hesitate. Just see if he's OK or if he might need, need a little bit of help, particularly if he starts to feel not so well, or indeed if something just goes wrong in the house and he needs some help with that. You shouldn't go into the house, but you can at least talk to him, maybe get his phone number if he's, got, if he's on the phone. And certainly our advice to older people is not to be shy at a time like this. And if younger people really want to help, what advice would you give to people now? There are lots of volunteering schemes starting up, and, and indeed many that are already in existence, which um, I'm sure many of them would welcome younger people um, Whoever you are, um, wherever you live, I think there's going to be lots of ways to get involved and, and lots of processes and systems are being put in place right now. There will be opportunities for everybody to help. As for Norman and George, well, they're going up north to weather the storm with Norman's family. There's going to be this frightful lockdown in London. Life will be hell. So we thought we'd get out and we are moving up north uh, stay with the sun in Stockton on Tees tomorrow. We all have bicycles and, you know, sort of live a very sort of rather peasant life. It'll be rather fun. And when you, when you decided to leave London and go up to Stockton on Tees, did you automatically assume George would come with you? Uh, well, no, it consulted George. 
you know, if he wanted to come, and here I think he's more frightened of coronavirus than me. I mean, after all, he's got another 60 years to live, and I haven't. Were you surprised when they offered you shelter at their place? Honestly, yes. Actually, I was, you know, because even though I know they are very kind and they are very supportive, but it's not easy to ask someone, a stranger, honestly, to live in your home for I don't know how long. And I was telling Norman, I don't want to be any burden, even though they are very kind, but I don't want to be taking their freedom in the home because I will be there all the time. And what persuaded you to do it in the end? You know, I've never been to Sam's home, Norman's son. Well, actually, Sam called me today and he was like showing me the room and he said, this will be your room and we are washing the, the sheets. You will be here as part of the family. And so I felt like, yeah, I can do it. I can go there and it will be OK. Does it help your stress levels that you're, you're about to leave London? Well, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I really like Norman's home. It feels like my home as well. So it's, it feels like I'm leaving my home to somewhere I don't know. But, you know, Sam and his wife are very, very kind and very supportive. His wife is a psychiatrist, I guess, or she works in the psychology field. She she always talks to me in a very nice way, calms me down, she understands me. So that actually helps me to share with her as well. And I insisted on cooking for them also. They, <laughs> <laughs> they must be very excited about that. I hope so. Which of you is cooking tonight? Me. Well, we have some leftovers from yesterday and I cooked something today as well, beef stew. I thought his son is coming for dinner, but apparently he is not. So we'll have lots of food today. (laughs) You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Norman and George, and Caroline Abrahams of Age UK. I know these are uncertain times, but you can always access expert analysis on the latest developments in the COVID-19 crisis with The Times' dedicated daily coronavirus newsletter. You can sign up for free at thetimes.co.uk slash coronavirus. The producers today were Brenna Daldorf, Elizabeth Nakano and Asia Fuchs. The executive producer is Leo Hornack and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. You can subscribe now so that you never miss an episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and more. See you tomorrow. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.